Good afternoon and welcome to the Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. This program is brought to you by Triad Veterans League in association with BNN Neighborhood Network News. We have a wonderful program going today for you. Yes, we do. We got a young man here today that is on top of his life. Okay, we used to say on top of your game, but right now we, we're not in a game mode. We're in a living mode, and we're trying to reestablish some kind of spirituality in a community that seems to be going the other way. But we have a man here today that's here today to talk about his plan, and I'd like to take this time to... Greet him, my friend, my brother, over 30 years. Absolutely. Law Ward is here today. Welcome, Law. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brother Haywood. It's good to be here again. Good to see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother. And uh, how's everything going with you, brother? Everything uh, is going with me on a personal level, brother. I can't complain because won't nobody listen. I just keep moving forward. Right. Right. That's all I can do, brother. They want to add. They want to add to the complaints, and waste that energy complaining instead of sitting down and recognizing that they can change their thinking. Yeah, they can make a difference, brother. If they sit down and take a minute. Yeah, that's all you need is a a minute to get with it. That's right. That's right. Don't quit. Never give up. Never no, give up. No, no. Lord, I gotta say that. I think it's real important that we discuss a little bit about you, man, and your triumphs and tribulations and becoming the person that you have become. Yes, sir. A significant contributor, a thinker to our community. Trying to be, brother. Trying, trying to, to be. be. Sometimes it gets kind of hectic. Uh, I'm trying to make a contribution, brother. Yeah. As best I can, but like you said, it it gets hectic. But like I said, you don't give up. You just keep moving forward. You know, I was impressed, Lord, with you a long time ago. But here recently, you had a a concept that you've been constantly working on, shaping and reshaping, called BBB, Building Black Better. Building Black Better. That's right. That's right. All right then. We ain't gone away. We just we just went underground for a second. Right. We'll be back. We'll be back. We're working on it. That's right. Building Black Better, I, I, I've been in the process of learning how to do my own podcast. Right. Because at some point in the future, Building Black Better needs to get on the air. Right. Um, so I've been taking a leadership uh, uh, role with that, and um, that's coming to an end. I, I spoke to you about uh, doing a podcast, me and you. Right. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's going to materialize shortly. Um, the other piece about building black better is that we're 
looking at a few ways to raise some money. We're going to do some fundraisers come springtime. Because another thing about a movement, a program, organization, agency, company, whatever, you need money to run it. And if you ain't got no money, you ain't running it. As simple as that. You have to get money from somebody else, and they tell you what to do. That's right. That's right. And we can't, we can't have that. No. We got to build this ourselves. That's right. From the ground up. You're talking about grassroots building. That's what this is, 100% grassroots. Tell us a little bit about how you came about thinking about that. Like that well, brother, you know, man, uh, early on in my life, brother, I uh, took that left turn, um, like most of my peers. You know, uh, In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. I can remember. See, I'm, I'm, I was born in Cambridge, and um, I, I would say around 12 or 13 years old, man, I, I, I had got two. I had outgrown Cambridge. Um, I was a bad little boy. Uh, what was considered a bad little boy? I was always in trouble. Um, always in trouble. Always in the principal office in, in the school. In the principal's office. I uh, got, get, get, got caught stealing candy out the candy store oh, after oh, school. Oh, oh. Before school, uh, getting into fights, bullying people, getting bullied, uh, you know, stuff like that, right. you know. And um, so Cambridge, my mother, my mother, you know, was sick and tired of, you know, back then, you know, you had the truant officers. And the truant officers will uh, take so many reports from you or from the school. And sooner or later, it was knocking at your mother's door wanting to know what's going on with you. And, uh, you know, so she got tired of those knocks on the door, and she sent me to Boston to live with my sister, Matt Pan, which was a beautiful thing. But I had already been familiar with Boston, and uh, I used to, uh, I had a cousin, uh, he was uh, a little older than me, he, he, he was a... Uh, he was a little. He was a hustler too, and I followed behind him. Oh, did he? He influenced your thinking. He influenced right? my thinking. So, so we on Mass Ave one day, and uh, so on a Saturday afternoon, and we turned the corner, took that right on Wash on Mass Ave to Washington, and this is when Northampton was mm-hmm. popping, and when I bent that corner and looked. I was, man, this is what I've been looking for, man. I was impressed. I, I fell in love instantly. See a black people, see a black entrepreneurs, black businesses, uh, black cab drivers, black jazz joints from from all the way to I couldn't see no more. Black, black restaurants and everything. Restaurants, I mean, greasy spoons, barbershops, shoe shine, whatever you, whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever you could think up to make some money, it was, it was out there. there. Yeah, it was out there. How old were you then, brother? Lowe? I was about thirteen, man. Mm-hmm. I was about thirteen, and uh, you know, I I fell in love with Northampton ever since. I I, I really um was heartbroken when they took the L down. You know what I'm saying? Because that was a, that was a beautiful thing, and it, it seemed like once they took the L down, Northampton been uh going going down, down, down. You know, but well, this uh, is this is the other page radio. My name is Abel Fennell. Program is brought to you by Triad Veterans League in association with BNN Neighborhood News. Our guest today is Brother Lowell Ward, founder of Building Black Better (BBB), and he's just shared a little bit of his first impression of Northampton Street and and is that Roxbury, Brother Lowell? Ah, uh, South End. 
South Dan, right? Yeah, South Dan. So now you down there at 13 years old. At 13 years old, loving it. Okay. All right. And, uh, well, you know, um, like I said, uh, I was loving it, and uh, I kept going back down every. Did you go with your cousin all the time? No, I, I had a few friends in Boston. I had I had uh, met in the youth service board, mm-hmm. and uh, I ran I ran into them over there, and uh, between Dudley Station and Northampton, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I got up with them, man, and uh, one thing led to another, and the next thing I know, man, you know, we's. <laughs> Hustling money and getting high, man, you know? Wait a minute. Hold up. Stop. Hold up. All of a sudden, this, 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 I don't know what you would call it, came to you that you could uh, be the guy. Well, we all wanted to be that guy. Okay. And that, and that was, that was part of the, uh, the performance is right. uh, to, to participate and what's going on over here and what's going on over there. And usually what was going on was some negativity. Right. And and uh, that's what we was all in there for, negativity. Where was school in this situation? School, man, was in the school was in my back pocket, brother. Um, okay. you know, I didn't have time for school, man, back then. I, I, I thought school was a waste of time. And um I didn't want to be bothered, to be honest with Hold you. One minute. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to bring you up to date on what we're talking about. We're talking about the young man that uh, put his skills down. And uh, he decided that he had another process that was better than the one that was about school. Now, we're going to talk about school a little later on. Yes, sir. But we're going to hear about Lowell's uh, initiation into the street activities. Go yes. ahead, Lowell. Yes, sir. So, so like I said, brother, uh, you know, Northampton at that time was primarily um, occupied by hustlers and uh a lot of dope dealers, pickpocketers, prostitutes, and um, stuff like pimps, and uh, you know, the whole gambit and um, of negativity. Of negativity, and you know, like I said, one thing led to another. I'm sniffing dope, and I'm pickpockets. Learn how to pickpockets. I'm running behind this one and that one. You know, we buy. You're 14 years old now. 14. We buying cashmere top coats, man. You know, trying to. Hustle up enough money, get some gator shoes so we can front, man. You know, this was our thinking, man. This is your you know? whole hookup now. Yeah, this was this was our thinking. You know what I'm saying? Um, Did school ever come into your mind? No, man. School, school, just not. School wasn't what you know back then. Now school, um, school was a waste of time. You like were I staying said. at your sister's house now. I was staying at my sister's house. Now, mind you, I left every day to go to school. Oh. You know, but I, you didn't go. But I didn't go. I got you. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. So you know, I ended up down Northampton or downtown, and back then they had the Penny Arcade. Or I ended up downtown the Penny Arcade of the Mines Pool Room downtown Dover uh, Dover Street. Was that Dover? Hey. No, that was um. That I wasn't. Know what you talking about? Yeah. So. What you talking about? And uh, you know, so I was preoccupied. I was I was amazed, man. I you was, was down by the Paramount Theater where the Paramount Theater is. All Where they that. Had the, oh, okay, go ahead. King of Peace across the street. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. I was impressed. That, that 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 all that brainwashed me, man. I fell in love, and and I, and and I I I I was just involved in that one hundred twenty percent. I was loving it. Um, then when did the first fall come for you, brother? Well, the first. How were you? Not my, talking about the the first one. I'm talking about 
when this behavior started to really change, you began to really get involved with that kind of activity. How old were you when you took your first fall? I was, well, shoot, man, I was... Were you a juvenile? Still? Yeah, I was a juvenile. I was a juvenile. When I took my first fall, I must have been about 12. Uh, I went to uh youth service board up there in Roslindale. Okay. Uh spent about four days in there. And then I got transferred to Oakdale. And uh I went to Oakdale. That was my first stint in any kind of prison. And uh I did ninety days in Oakdale and got paroled. Mm-hmm. And you were how old then? I was thirteen back then. I was okay, twelve 13. or thirteen. Yeah. And uh I got out of Oakdale, and uh, what did I, you learn in Oakdale? What did I learn? I learned I, well. I met a few more criminals. Okay. And I learned how to be a better criminal. I polished up for uh, a few odds and ends. You know, I listened to other people, man. You know, the, the the conversations was always about, you know, hustling and and going back to the streets because we believed in the streets back then. You have to understand back then. Uh, black people, uh, racism was still blatant and 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 everywhere. Racism was everywhere. So black people, man, pretty much had to get involved with uh, illegal activities to make ends because they didn't want to give us no job or nothing. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know they didn't. You know it was still racism going on everywhere. Okay. So now let me just ask you a question. I want to know. Uh, When did you go into a prison for adults? How old were you then? I was 18. Mm. I was 18. I got my first uh, reformatory since MCI Concord. I got 12 years in a day. At 18? At 18. And I served 18 months of that, 12 years in a day, and I got paroled. And that 12 years in a day brought me back to Concord on a, as, as a parole violator six times. Six times? The sixth time I had to wrap it up. You had to wrap. What do you mean when you say wrap it up? I had to finish my complete sentence. Right. And how old were you when you finished your complete sentence? I must have been, man, maybe 28. 29, 28, 28 20. years old. You got that, that sentence when you was 18. Yes, sir. And you got out after a certain period of time. Got out after 12, I got out after 18 months. After 18 months. So that puts you around 20 years old. Yes, sir. And so with the good time that they give you for being incarcerated, it, it, it didn't help you in that you had to do more than time than you really had. Well, not necessarily it didn't help me because back then you had what you call, it did help me because you had what you call statutory good time. And then you had what you call earned good time. So the statutory good time came off your sentence as soon as you walked in the door. You understand? They say, okay, you got X amount of uh, time here. You've been sentenced to. We're going to give you uh, X amount of good time. I got that part, Brother Lowe. I got that part. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. All right. So what I'm are you talking I'm talking about what did you learn uh to be able to begin the rethink process. Oh, that wasn't until I I, I I didn't I didn't start thinking 
differently until I, and I until I got man one two until I got my third Walpole sentence. Oh, well, you did. I got my well. Let me see. Nineteen. Boom. I must have been man. Ooh, 35, 38. 35, 38. I got my third Walpole sentence. And, um, you was 35 or 38 years old? Between something like that, Okay, yeah. so now this is for the audience. So if you're 35, let's say you're 35 and you start taking the falls when you was 12. So we're talking about a 23-year uh, odyssey. Oh, we're talking longer than that. We ain't talking House of Correction sentences either. No, we haven't talked about that yet. Okay. So, so we're, we're talking longer than that, bro. We're talking. Uh, we're talking. That when you was twenty, when you was thirteen, you was you was in a system. Let me put it this way: since I was thirteen years old up until I was fifty, I was in and out of prison. Since you, that's thirty-seven years. Yes, sir. I didn't start thinking differently. Until I woke up one morning, and I looked in the mirror, and I was 50 years old with absolutely nothing. Nothing. I mean, I was sitting up in Boston State pre-release, getting ready to go on a chain gang work crew, happy to go out there and and get on a chain gang to get me out the building. And I realized, man, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got... Well, let me ask you another question, because, (laughs) you know... uh, I, I, I want to know these questions that I'm asking you because in a little while I'm going to ask a, a set of questions. Okay. You know, and it's very important that our listening audience, and by the way, this is The Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. My guest today is Laura Warden, and we are talking about the transitioning of a man. And I mean a transition. 37 years various forms of incarceration. But one of the things that we have to, and we have not spoke about, is the incarceration that is institutionalized in our community and that is offensive behavior based on racism that have them going around calling the people that were incarcerated, uh, they are calling them ex-offenders, when it is they that have been offended by the racist edicts that they have put in place for this young man ever since he was 13 years old. This is The Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell, and I want you to just listen, pay attention now, because this is a straight-through program. This is going to be commercial-free to learn how we define ourselves after we refine ourselves. Right. My friend today is the founder of Building Black Better. And Building Black Better is a concept that talks about not trying to emulate a failing system to create your own system and believe in your own self. Remake your own self. And remake your own self, okay? Brother Lowell, now, you're 50 years old now. Yes. You've been in and out for 37 years. Yes. Do you have any family up in there? Children of your own, if you will. Uh, I have family in the community, but uh, thank God I didn't have no family uh, incarcerated with me. Um, not that that hasn't been the case not in the past, but right. uh, 
you know, when I really, when I came to the realization, man, that I've been wasting my time running them streets. No, there was no family members up there with me. I had came to that realization on my own. And it was a painful realization because you realize, you understand me, that, uh, you know, you when you out there running those streets, you think you're making a difference. You think you're making an impression. You think you're making a change. But you ain't doing nothing but digging a hole for yourself. That's all you're doing is doing what? Digging a hole for yourself. The hole I, gets deeper and deeper. I dug a big hole. And, uh, you know, um, at the time when I was 15, I came to that realization. By then, then nobody believed me in, in terms of what I was going to do uh, or, or how I was going to change or how I have changed because my history, every time I got out of prison, you know, I ran right back to those streets. So that was the uh, common denominator. People was like, yeah, 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 okay. You know, because they didn't believe me, man. They thought I was running right back to that dope, right right, right back to those streets. But uh, I couldn't do it no more because I couldn't lie to myself anymore. I, I was, I was, I was, I was get going nowhere fast. Before we go into a little this conversation, a little further. This is the other page radio, and uh, eight seven eight eight five seven two zero four five three one two. That's for you if you want to know anything about how we help our veterans. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, doing some. Service work with Whittier Street Community Health Center around veterans with uh, post-stress PTSD and other mental health challenges, learning how to cope. Uh, that's going to be happening in January. We want to make sure that you know about it. But right now, we have a good man here today, the founder of Building Black Better, Brother Lowell Ward. Well, go ahead, Lowell. What are you saying? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, when I woke up, when I woke up, yeah. Okay. When I, when I woke up from that dream, okay. um, from that nightmare, from that nightmare. Right. Thank you. You know, I I I, I had to, I had to be honest with myself. I had to be truthful with myself. I wouldn't I wouldn't nothing. I'd have nothing, and I was nothing. Your summation was zero. My summation was zero. Here I was back in jail, uh, getting ready. Like I said, going a chain gang crew and happy to do it. Um, that 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 bothered me a lot because you were going outside the prison or something. Yeah, because I was getting outside of that building. You understand? Even though I was being exploited, even though I wasn't getting paid, I just wanted to get out the building. Um, the thing that the thing about that is, if had I been on the street, there would be no way in the world out there would have got me out there to, to do no sticking and picking or whatever it was. Yeah, but I had to do it. I had to be grateful, and that was another one of the things I came to realize. I had no freedom. No freedom. I had no freedom. I, mm. Man, I can't even go out and buy, you know, here I am 50 years old, a grandfather, father, and I can't even, it was it was, it, it was very painful. And it was a rude awakening. It was a rude awakening. And one of the rudest things about that awakening was the fact, man, that you that I didn't have nothing. That was the realization. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and brag and, and, and tell you, you know, during my reign as a, Dope fiend slash crook, you know. Um, I came across some 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 money, some jewelry, all of that kind of stuff goes in you one hand and out the other, and I ain't have nothing to show for it, nothing. And man, you know, you talking about feeling like a fool? Yeah, that's that was me. 
I well, was a, you know, I was a fool. All right. So let me just go someplace, brother Lowe. I'm gonna go someplace, and I want to take our listening audience with us. In the mornings, you go to Chow. You know, sometimes you have it in the block. Sometimes you have it wherever they say this is where you're gonna eat your meal. Wherever they tell you. <laughs> and a lot of times, you got to ask for toilet paper when you run out of toilet paper. It goes something like this. Officer! Yeah, what is it? I need some toilet paper. What cell? 14B. Okay. Nine fifteen in the morning. Yep. At ten o'clock. Officer. Yeah. What do you need? Toilet paper. What cell? Fourteen B. <laughs> All right. So, folks, one of the things that happens when you're incarcerated. You don't have the right to get toilet paper on your own. It has to be given to you. You don't have the right for nothing. You don't have the right for nothing, is what he says. And, you know, I go into the prison sometimes to speak, and then when the speaking commitment is over, I leave. And when I go in there, you know, I don't talk about anything that has to do with my blessings in terms of what I do in the community. I say to them when I go in, Brother Lowell, this is what I say. You guys look great. Look at your skin. It's coming back. You got your hair braided. Put got that your weight, weight back. back on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, you guys look good. But you're leaking. But you are leaking. You got to ask for toilet paper. You can't do nothing without toilet paper. And while you're in here, take the time to really think. T-H-I-N-K. Think real hard. Think and read. Right. Read and think. So that you don't continue to stink. That's right. It's not easy coming back into your community the same way that you went in. Mm -hmm. They got programs that are really mockeries. They have the unmitigated gaudy audacity to call those that are incarcerated and coming back from incarceration from the jail or the prison returning citizens. That's because Massachusetts is not serious about giving people second chances. What is a returning citizen, Brother Lowe? Well, I can tell you what a returning citizen is supposed to be. Okay. It's supposed to be a a citizen that um, returns from 
uh, incarceration, let's say. But the problem with that is this. How can I be a returning citizen when you didn't look at me as a citizen in the beginning? Uh oh. I was not I was not a citizen in the beginning. I That's was, my point exactly. Exactly. I was just another person for you to arrest, incarcerate. And that's it. That 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 was the extension of your citizenry. That's the extension that you of got my arrested. As a black man, I had a target on my back, and it stayed on my back. It's still on my back. Right. Because but, we got the Corey now. We're coming at the Corey. Just, now see the Corey thing is we got to hold up now, because I just want to deal a little bit more with you and this citizen returning uh, situation. Yes. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Well, I'm glad because we need more resources for the returning, so-called returning citizen today. We need we need serious resources. What kind of resources? Housing. We we need training. We need counseling. We 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 need we we need jobs. We need employment. We need some workforce development. We need workforce development. We need some mental health intervention. We need some education. We need some education. We so, need to, these people that call themselves community leaders and elected officials, we need them to sit down and move out the way and let people that have had the experience of being incarcerated and have the skills to negotiate with those that are coming back into the frenzy. That's right. That's right. That's right. This is the other page radio. My name is Hale Fennell. This program is brought to you by Triad Veterans League and in support of the BNN Neighborhood News, folks. And we have our good friend on today, Lowell Ward, mm -hmm. everybody. I just want to just hold off a minute. We're going to go right back. But let me tell you something. Lowell Ward... When his change came about, he completed part of his education by getting a degree from Boston University. That's right. As an incarcerated man. That's right. Started at MCI Norfolk and finished what? it and finished it on the street. You started at MCI Norfolk. Yep. Started my college career at MCI Norfolk, and I, I I did three years in Norfolk, and I got out, and I had one year left, and I thank God. I was in there somewhere. You you was in there, brother. You 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 you, you was in there. One of the brothers that gave me inspiration to keep it on, man. You was yeah. in there. We had a good little crew up in there that tried to do something, make a change, make differences, man. Right. And had y'all not been there, man, to support me, man, I'd probably have been right out there in Cadillac Alley doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. Cadillac Alley, in case our viewers don't listen or don't know, and I'm sure some of you that's listened to this program that's been behind the wall of Norfolk know where Cadillac Alley is located. Yeah. yeah. And believe me, there's no Cadillacs there. <laughs> you know, but I got to say uh, how grateful I am to have been uh, in a situation where I was not supposed to learn, but I learned. That's right. 
That's right. But I learned. Because you took the initiative. You wasn't, letting them, you wasn't letting them tell you to sit down, man. They wasn't stopping you. No. Nah. You Can stop. anybody else do that, brother? <laughs> yes, sir. All you have to do is be organized and determined to change your life. You can do anything you want. You got the power. What about the Corey law? What does that do? Why the, does that play in? The Corey man is a sticky subject because I have been blessed to get my Corey sealed. Um. Thank God. Thank you. Now, I'm hearing scuttlebutt around the fact that it doesn't make a difference anymore whether you get your Corey sealed or not, because if an employee wants to find out whether or not you have a record, it's, it's simply not hard to do. No. And no. and so, um, that's a drawback. That's a serious drawback because people. Worked hard, I mean hard, sacrificed to get that quarry sealed. And now that they got it sealed, potentially it's a waste of time because if the employee really, really wanted to find out about he you, find out. he'd go right on the Internet and find out. Or he could call up the registry bureau people, somebody that has a driver's license. Yeah, that's that's not good, man. That's a, that, that's that's why I say the state of Massachusetts is not serious about giving second chances. So they call they call up the registry, and they uh, ask this name, and say, uh, "Does John Smith have a, a driving license registered with the Commonwealth?" And the guy say, uh, "What what's this information? You give up the information like the date of birth, social security yep. number." Yep. And like that, right? Yeah. And as she's looking, he says, uh, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's he got a driver's license. And then the question, has he or she ever been arrested before? Hmm. So now he's not supposed to say that, but the manner that he was asked the question by the inquirer, possibly of uh, uh, a employer, a future employer, and he says, yes, that's the reason to say to the person that's looking for the job, no, we're not. No, we're not hiring. They're not going to say we already know that you got a record. Yeah. So when they tell them, Brother Law, that they're not being hired, that denies that person real momentum in building his life sure. or her life. And that's, the, that's, why, that's, why they, that's what they want to do. And they take away... Your options for education, for jobs, and for a place to live. Well, brothers and sisters, let me explain something to you. You cannot let them end it there. You got to keep pushing forward. You can keep pushing it forward. You there, can. There are ways to get around that stuff. You just have to be determined. We can do anything we want to do. Part of that term they use, you got to double down. That's right. You got to double down and say, listen, I need this. I got to have this. Just like you had, just like when I was on the street and I, I woke up in the morning, man, broke and dope sick or whatever the case is, I got to go out and get money. I'm going out to get some money. Right. Or I ain't coming back. Right. You know? And that's the same way I look at this. I'm not stopping until I get what's due, what's right for me. I need all the resources that the state of Massachusetts offer any citizen. Let me ask you this question. I know about Stanley Jones. You know Stanley Jones. Yes, I knew Stanley. And uh, he came into the prisons 
after spending many years as an inmate. Yes, sir. And he created a program called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And it had to do with transitioning back into the community. And he provided information to help the men and later women uh, on track. Yes, sir. Stanley cut up with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And he lost his sight. Mm-hmm. But before he lost his sight, he taught a lot of us how to see. Yes, sir. And then he became an amputee and lost his legs. Yes, sir. That's what diabetes would do to us. And so before he lost his legs, he taught us how to stand and demand. That's right. Here's the thing, Brother Lowe. Everybody wants to get rid of the quarry and have a life. Everybody deserves a second chance. And not strike. Yeah. But they don't want to work at it. They want to complain and do nothing. It ain't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, y'all. Sisters and brothers, it's not going to be easy. They're, they're not here to give us nothing. And they're not going to give us anything. That's right. We are on our own. We got to save ourselves. That's right. Because ain't nobody going to save us. Ain't nobody been saving us. And let me tell you something. Every time somebody steps up to save us, they gun them down. So we on our own, brothers and sisters. got to organize a little better than this. That's right. That's right. We need to unify for real. We got to be at the table and not on the table as in lunch. Yes, right. That's right. Because uh, Brother Larry Higginbottom was on uh, one of my shows, and he was speaking about the importance, Brother Lowe, of uh, stepping up and challenging these people because nobody's going to save us, that we have to save ourselves. And we got to challenge them ourselves. We have to challenge them. Yeah. You know, people were, uh, you know, all up and about asking me questions about Corey, about uh, housing, about jobs. And I said, well, let's let's get together and uh, put together a strategy. Nope. Don't got time for that. You got to find some time because that's what's going to work. Collaboration and unity is the name of the game today. It's the name of the game. And if you don't know the game or the rules, you're going to always lose. That's right. Because they come up with tricks every day for us. Let me New just ones. say this. Let me just say this to my listening audience so that you all will know how much I love and respect Law Ward for the work that he's done in the community. And it hasn't been easy. But, Law, I'm real proud of you. Thank you, Brother Haywood. I appreciate so, that. And I want you to continue doing what you need to do, man, to not only lift yourself up, but lift this community up. I ain't, I, I, I got no choice, Haywood. I got no choice, brother. Right. I ain't going backwards. There's nothing back there, folks. No, ain't nothing there waiting on me, man. No, no. Ain't nothing back there waiting for me. Right. And then, you know, you got to look again at the so-called Citizens Reentry Program. You know, that's a good concept. It's a good concept. But we got to learn how to create jobs where we will benefit See, and work for ourselves. Right. 
And the thing is, the sad part of it is, brother, is that they have all the resources. They don't want to share the resources. They don't want to share the resources. They want to treat us like monkeys and give us peanuts. Yep. They don't want to share nothing with us, y'all. They got a good they got a good game. And they'll talk about returning citizens and they'll talk about sending you to this agency and that agency. And yeah, the agency will give you some uh, you know, off the rip right then and there and um patch you on the They're back. not gonna sustain you. Right, exactly. So what are you gonna do once that runs up? Right. You know? And there should be some kind of start when you hit the prison door. That's right. They should be preparing you to come out. That's right. That's right. From don't, day one. Right. From day one. Don't wait until the person got a week left and you tell him or her that here's a list of places for you to go to to try to get your start. You know, what they do now is they get when they, they, they flag all the people that are wrapping up real soon. And what they do is they they target them. They send them a letter saying that you're getting ready to get discharged. We got a, a week uh, program that we offer. Preparation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to offer you what you're going to need on your way out. So you attend this weekly program that they have for five days, and you learn what the what the DOC offers you going out the door. They'll 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 get you in touch with Mass Health. They'll get your Mass Health uh, going and stuff like that. Um, but as far as housing, as far as income, you know, um, they haven't made any kind of uh, structured response for the needs of those that are in college. Not realistically, no. Not realistically, no. I mean, no. you give me a piece of paper with some addresses on it. You give me $40 or whatever the amount of money, is money. that you give, yeah. give them. Gate and money. you haven't given them any kind of information, any kind of training around behavior modification, especially when it comes to substance abuse issues. No. What's most importantly, what they have not given the so-called returning citizen is hope. They have not given, H-O-P-E. They have hope. not given the returning citizen any hope. So they take D-O-P-E yeah. try to substitute it for H-O-P-E and they end up Back in jail, if not found dead from overdose. Yeah, I mean, when I was going in and out of jail, man, I I, I get released and be right back on the same corner I got busted on. Right, right. The same day. So <laughs> I want you to hear what he's saying, folks. He's talking about Lord Ward because he had a change in his thinking in order for him to be on this show, giving you some advice and, and talking about his experiences. And I want you to listen to what he. And the thing is, the thing is, brother, uh, I'm no in no way, shape, form, am I rehabilitated? I am not rehabilitated. Rehabilitation doesn't go on in prison. What happens to you in prison is that you get tired of it. You get real tired of it, and you wake up one day, I can't do this no more, because you're tired of it. Right. And that's what happened to a lot of people. That's what happens to a lot of people. But now imagine if you had, you have one person, maybe two, let's just say Lowell and I. You know, we understand the dynamics of what it is and what it is not when we're talking about rehabilitation. 
We know what that is. So we sit down and we talk and we get one more person. Now that's three. And we're talking together. And then we look around and there's four more people. That's seven. If those seven people, us seven people, would be able to talk to another 10 people per person, that's 70 people that have been touched by some reliable information. That's right. Got some good information. But because of the way that the prison is set up, and they'll do this, they'll say that you're trying to start trouble in the prison, and they try to break you up and give you some extra time you know, as they know you're preparing to come back into the community, they'll do everything that they can to hold you up. That's right. And nobody, Rolo, nobody in elected officials has come up and spoken about the need for training long before you consider for reentry back into the community. Yep, yep, yep. I'm telling you. If the state of Massachusetts was serious about helping so-called returning citizens, like the brother said, from day one, they would have a program ready for these brothers and sisters coming in. If you do this program here that we outline for you and you do it successfully, you're on your way out and you're on your way to a, to a brand new life. And, and that's not hard to do. And it's not hard to do, but it got to be real. It got to be real. See, right now, the, 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 the DOC is uh, the DOC is not is not real. It's lacking. The state of Massachusetts, the the uh, county, Suffolk County, Essex County, Middlesex County, all these counties should be collaborating together with so the prison of, with the prison officials trying to resolve. This resolving door nonsense. Right. But they don't they don't care because they profit from that. They profit from us going to jail. They profit from us getting locked up. Yeah, it's a, in some places, in the county up there, in Norfolk County, I mean, you're talking about nepotism? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about you got fathers and grandfathers that work in the prison system. Sons and daughters. And sons and daughters. Yep. Working in the prison system. Yep, yep. And it's, you got these big homes and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a booming business, and um, no question about it. And they're gonna keep it booming. And and we're if the, we don't do anything, we're the fodder for it. Yes, we're the fodder for them prisons. Right. Make no mistake about that. That's what I'm talking about earlier when I said that we were on the table. Yeah, yeah. Because we the as mail. In lunch. We the mail. Yeah, no doubt. You don't see any high numbers of African-American professional service providers in the Department of Correction. Nope. Why is that? Don't not. you think that you would be able to be able to deal better with people that have a cultural uh, relationship? No. You're not concerned with that. Oh, we don't want that. I, uh, I uh, was in court on Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, I was in court on Friday with a friend of mine, and uh, you know he had relapsed, and um, he had got. What you mean relapsed? Well, he had been abstaining from using drugs for a while. Okay, I got you now. And 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 then he relapsed. Then he went back. Yeah, he relapsed, and and he 
unfortunately, during the, in the process of his relapse, he got arrested purchasing some drugs. And so, uh, again. He got arrested. Yes. Again, that's a waste of time, waste of manpower, waste of resources. Um, so anyway, he went to court. They summoned him to court. And, um, you know, I went in there to give him some moral support, you know, like I would for anybody else. I would hope people would do that for me. And uh, the judge uh, saw fit. I know this brother been in recovery for a while. This brother been out of trouble. He hasn't done nothing, man. He's been working, you know. So the judge saw fit to give him a year, continue without a finding. And, you know, I I, I thought that was kind of harsh given the circumstances. But he held him for another year for the, you know. He got another year on yeah. paper. Right. He got time on paper. Right. So anything he do, anything he does, anything right. he got caught doing. He's susceptible. They can throw that in his face. Folks, I want you to understand that this is not some stuff that we are making up. No, I This is what's all. really happening with this criminal justice system. And this man's almost 70 years old. Wow. Oh. Mm. We, need, we need support. You know, we need support. We were just talking about collecting some people to collect more people based on our need to understand that nobody's coming to save us, that we got to save ourselves. Hey, listen, but I want to, you know, when I told you I had that revelation, and I, I, I had that revelation and I told you that, you know, prior to this revelation, I get out of prison, man, and may, I might make it home two or three days, four or five days later, you know. When you got out. When I got out. When I got out this time, though, I didn't feel like I was out. What? I did not feel like I was free. Hmm. I, I was free, but I didn't feel it. I, I, I just wasn't the same anymore. I didn't want to go out and party. I didn't. I want. I want to hide in my in my house. I was scared to death because I had. I had. I had. I had just came from doing five years locked away in a little room, and I and in that little room that that, that cell was my protection. I, I I retreat to that cell. And I would I, I I would hide in that cell. I, I would that was my that was just my comfort zone. And yeah, and, yeah just your comfort zone. Yeah, and, and this went on for, like I said for five years. So when I got out, man, I did not want to go anywhere, man. I did not want to go party. I didn't want to go hang out. I, I just didn't want to be around people. I was too traumatized. How did you work that out? It took years, man. I, I I got out in 2013. I didn't start feeling like myself. Ten my, years ago. Yeah. I didn't start feeling like myself, man, almost, maybe almost a year ago, man. I started realizing, man, that I was out for real. And this ain't no lie, man. That's, interest, that's prison institutionalization, brother. How are you helping others now? I'm sharing my stories with other people, man. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to get them to identify with what I'm telling them, with what I'm doing, with what, what, what I experience. I'm trying to get them to realize, man, that this, they, this is a better way. Yeah, they don't have to go through that. It's a better way. That's day. right. They don't have to go through that. It's a better way. And uh, you know, um, it was scary, man. It was scary because you know, like a I lot said, of people, a lot of people. Uh, 
think that it's not scared. They come up with some macho baloney. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That's because that's only because they're still asleep. Right. That's only because they're still asleep, brother. But once they wake up, that, that old attitude's going to change. I did the same thing. I, was, I slept. I was snoring for 30 years. Rocked me right to sleep, man. Took my prime, all my prime years, all spent in prison. Folks, I got to tell you a few more things because we're getting ready to wrap up here. <clears throat> I don't think our guest, Lord, Ward. Wow. We really appreciate you coming out, brother, Lord. Sharing that story, brother. Those Thank you. Stories, brother. We're looking forward to you coming back and sharing some more. You know, we're gonna, we didn't just talk about the problem today. We talked about some, some solvents and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we address is how we think. You know, we got to look, understand that there's nothing that we can't do, but you got to do it the right way. You got to free yourself from all the baloney that you be hearing here, there, and everywhere, but you can do this, you can do that. You can't do anything unless you believe in yourself, unless you take care of yourself. You can't listen to those people that are not doing anything. Why can't we have our own workforce development strategy? We can't have it. There it is. We can't have it. We can do anything we want. We got the power. Don't let everybody tell you that you can't. I want to kind of switch up right now, folks. I'll tell you about the December 17th performance coming up with Stages Cultural Arts Center. They're going to be over there at 4 o'clock at the Quincy High School. I don't know if you're familiar with Stages. S-T-A-J-E-C, but they collaborated with us for some years now. Dance company. Boy, are they good. I'm telling you. They are so good. And I'm going to see them on December the 17th at 4 p.m. And by the way, by the way, it's my birthday. It's my birthday, September 17th. Coming coming into this country, to this world, through Harlem Hospital. Harlem Hospital, 136th Street, 135th and Lenox Avenue. And I'm grateful. That's the day that I was born, but the day that my life came in started 29 years ago when I stopped using. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, man, I got a life, man. No strife. I'm talking on the radio. I got my friend here. That's one of our guests, and he's on top of it. As long as we're truthful to ourselves and tell the truth to others through how we live in, we're going to be getting a lot of baloney. We're going to be getting that. And for you that are out here and thinking that you can't change, we hope that what we said today impacted how you're thinking so that you can stop thinking. It's been a great program today. Brother Lo, you got a word or two you want to say before we step off? Yes, sir, brother. I want to. I just want to... Uh... Give a shout out to all the brothers and sisters out here that are listening, that have been incarcerated. I want to say that believe in yourself. You can do anything you want to do. Anything. Anything. All you, you got to do is, is is believe in yourself. Get the support you need. The support is out here. You just got to want it. 
Yeah, we got a uh, another little message for y'all out there because you know the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company. Our email is t h e o m t c dot com. T h e o m t c dot com. We will be in Arlington at the Regent Theater on February the seventeenth and eighteenth. Two matinee performances that start at 4 p.m. and the doors open at 3:15 at the Arlington Theater, 7 Medford Street. We are bringing the Miss Marion Anderson and Friends project there after performing at the Strand, and we are ready with this history piece that includes opera, spirituals, gospel. And liturgical dance. We're talking about a woman that stood up. She was a a singer of national, international recognition. But she came and made a decision that she would not sing before any more segregated audiences. And she showed them on Easter Sunday. 1939 at the Lincoln Memorial, she sang, before 75,000 people in an integrated audience. So this has been a wonderful day. We have enjoyed ourselves, and we hope that you enjoy what you're hearing from us. Don't give in. Don't give up. Stand up. Speak up. Speak out. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to be standing for you, speaking for you, and not speaking out. And we're not going to have the Believe in yourselves, brothers and sisters. That we know we can do. Believe in yourself. We're going to leave you right now. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your day. Take care of yourself. And have a wonderful holiday. Peace and strength always. Happy holidays, brothers and sisters. I love you. <laughs>